0: This is the Power Element Podcast, episode forty-seven. All right, my name is Paul. I produce the podcast. I am a journeyman lineman by trade. Today, I'm going to step in as host. We got a full-length episode recorded for you today. This one's over the computer. Special guest is Brent Jeffries. Brent is the VP of Phil Operations at Beer Meters. Brent is also involved with the Electrical Culture of Safety which we will cover in this episode in depth. All right, get to the show, but first let me highlight a few of our promotional partners. First up, Milwaukee Tool. Since the company began in 1924, Milwaukee Tool has led the industry in developing innovative solutions that deliver increased productivity and unmatched durability for professional construction users. Check out the M18 Red Lithium Forge XC 6.0 battery. Red Lithium Forge provides the most power, fastest charging, and longest life. Head on over to milwaukeetool.com today. While you're there, check out the uh, packout. out. You will not be disappointed. Very cool. All right, Dragonwear. New year, new gear with Dragonwear. Browse our FR collection and ARC rated cold weather gear featuring new must haves like the Daily Sock Merino Workweight and the Pro Dry Tech Beanie. Plus, podcast listeners get 10% off with code NEWGEAR10. Once again, that's NEWGEAR10, one word. New Year 10. By Wagner-Smith Equipment. Even though the holiday season is over, you may not have gotten what you wanted on your list. Wagner-Smith Equipment Co. is your one-stop shop for all your job job site supplies. You can expedite and simplify your day with a large assortment of trustworthy services and products. Visit WagnerSmith.com, download their app, or give them a call at 866-666- Six five six seven. Once again, that's Waggersmith Smith Equipment Co. Buckingham Manufacturing. Over the years, Buckingham has designed and manufactured many iterations of a wood pole fall restriction device. First came the original Buck Squeeze, then the Super Squeeze, and finally the Easy Squeeze. Well, they've come full circle, introducing the Buck Squeeze Light, Buckingham's lightest wood pole fall restriction device to date. For the users that prefer the Buck Squeeze, the Buck Squeeze light is for you. All right. Climb Tools, Working Athlete, Gelco, Co-Eyewear, Trusted Partners. Thank you, guys. Daniel Sanchez provides us with all of our music. I'll put his info in the show notes. High Voltage Commando. Lyman Mama, appreciate you. All right. Last but not least, I want to thank the entire Sturgeon Lunch California workforce you this podcast would not be possible all right another year here we go it's got some great episodes lined up for you guys appreciate your patience once again power element podcast episode 47 brent jeffries enjoy the show This is the feedback loop behind all human behavior. Try, fail, learn, try differently. With practice, the useless movements fade away and the useful actions get reinforced. That is habit forming. That's from the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. Great book if you haven't read it. All right, speaking of habits, our next guest sure knows all about them. Brent Jeffries, how we doing, brother?
1: Good, Paul. How you doing, man?
0: Oh man, I could be better. Appreciate you joining us. Yeah.
1: No, I appreciate you having me too. It's great, great. We have some rain here, not too, about almost 70 degrees in South Carolina. So, you know, we'll take it.
0: You get uh you get snow in that area?
1: Very rarely. Maybe a couple flakes here and there, um quarter inch once in a while. But it's very rare.
0: You on the coast? How does that work for South Carolina? We're,
1: we're, so our shop we're at Blythewood, South Carolina, which is just north of Columbia, the capital. So we're kind of mid, mid South Carolina, right in the center.
0: What are some yeah. uh, interesting interesting things about South Carolina? I never been there. I don't. I couldn't. Uh, no. You pick. You, I couldn't pick it out of a map. Unfortunately, I mean yeah. anything as far as. Anything east of California, it's it's East Coast for us.
1: Oh wow, yeah. So we have some of the prettiest beaches in the in the whole country, the nation. Um, just I don't I don't like Myrtle Beach so much, but beaches to the north, getting into North Carolina and then South South Carolina, uh, south of Myrtle, they're just gorgeous. The beaches, the fishing. If you like to fish, uh, there's over a hundred species of freshwater and saltwater fish that you can catch. And the lakes here, the rivers, uh, water's everywhere. Um, Ten years ago when I first moved here, one of the things coming from Arizona, one of the things that just, just I could not grasp is jet skiing down the Congaree River and coming out of Charleston. And uh, right there at the bay, Charleston Bay, doing a day trip on jet skis, coming up the river, get, jumping in the river to drain out a little bit. And just feeling that water flowing across my legs, knowing that all this water every day, all day long for I don't know how many thousands of years, drains into the ocean and nobody captures it. Nobody uses it really. It, it just goes in the ocean. It's just amazing. Humbly Lots hum. of water.
0: Lots of water. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. It's a beautiful it's thing too. Uh, hunting, right? A little hunt, hunt hunting too, right? Yeah, a so there's a lot of
1: hunting here. Um, that's one thing that South Carolina broke me of actually hunting is uh, they – it's just not the same, man. Coming from Arizona, I bow hunted elk, bow hunted mule deer, uh, some bears, turkey, and a javelina, antelope. In Arizona, the hunting was just like wow, spot, stalk. But here, it's all so many trees and bushes and so thick. A lot of these folks they get a stand and and they they feed them, <laughs> yeah. you know. And I just I just can't do that. So I, I actually stopped hunting when I came here. I got you. Yeah. I can't Uh, do that. Public
0: land, public land, South Carolina.
1: No, very little, mostly private. It's so BLM land in Arizona, uh, kind of like California have a lot of public land, but here it's just hardly anything. So it's just a lot different as far as that goes. But as far as, you know, lakes, beaches, the rivers, the fishing, boating, jet skiing, all that. Yeah. It's, that's where it makes up.
0: That's cool. Yeah. Um, kind of a question i like to ask. Uh, we'll get to the show. I know we're, we're, just, we're just kind of rambling, and I'm sure everyone yeah. appreciates it. Though, but uh, if I'm coming over to the Jeffrey's house for dinner, uh, what are you going to cook me?
1: So that's, <laughs> 10 years ago, I learned how to uh, smoke meat and cook on a smoker and uh, use, used to using gas in Arizona. And came here and and it's like wood charcoal and, oh, my gosh, fillets, fish, fresh fish that you catch, um, you know, pork loin, just whatever. Even the hamburgers. I mean, the hamburgers here, when you cook on that wood charcoal and a smoker, it tastes like a friggin' steak, man. And um, so we'll do some of that. We'll do some veggies, maybe a little salad with some homemade salad dressing. Might even have a couple beers or a glass of wine.
0: There you go, man. South Carolina yeah. special. I'm in. I got my, That's great. my plane ticket booked. <laughs> all right, Brent. Let's get to it, man. Uh, Brent Jeffries, VP of Field Operations and a safety instructor from Beer Beer Meters. That's tongue twister. Yep. Anyways, uh, uh, we talked a little bit about who you are, but uh, let's go. Uh, wh- where'd, you, where'd you come from? Where'd you grow up at?
1: So, grew up all my life, really, in Arizona. And... Um, Went to high school in Arizona and uh, went to college at uh, Northern Arizona University, studied, believe it or not, I could, you know, it's kind of a weird how things, you know, we're talking a little bit about your past and how things just work out. Yeah. But I studied electrical engineering for two and a half years in uh, Flagstaff and uh, decided I wanted to uh, work with my hands and I didn't want to work in a cubicle. Uh, work on the computer and figure out, you know, math equations and this and that. And decided to quit college and start my own company, which I did immediately and started getting into some, uh, became a remodel contractor, landscape contractor, and had that company for 29 years with, in Arizona, had about 40 employees, sometimes 50 and uh, had a great company and met my wife in Arizona, she was passing through, heading back to Oklahoma, and uh, she's coming from L.A., tired of the L.A. lifestyle and wanted to get back home to Oklahoma, and I, I found her just out of the blue and uh, couldn't believe how pretty she was and kind of like one of those love at first sight kind of things. Uh, even For me, it was easy, but for her, I don't know what she was saying in that, but it worked out, She le- and I lassoed her. And we've been married for 37 years now, three children, a- and, and just great, great life.
0: That's awesome, man. That's a great story. Um, do you ever have any regrets not finishing your, for your degree?
1: You know, that's, that's interesting you brought that up. But I, I actually did for maybe the first couple of years. The starting your own company is so hard. There, I mean, you've got to put everything in it. And, you know, when I met my wife, I was dirt poor, literally dirt poor. And, uh, you know, on our first date, I had to ask her mom if I could borrow her mom's car to take her own daughter out. And I don't know why, but she actually agreed to it. I don't get that. But it's just hard, you know, it's just hard work and, you know, making everything perfect, your customers happy. It's just hard. And so, yeah, there was there was for about two years I regretted, you know, maybe I should go back to school. I had I had enough uh, hours. I could at least get an associate's degree. But it's like, you know what? I'm all in this. I'm going to go all in. Forget about all that. And I got to move on. This is the calling. And I understood it, you know, the ebb and tide of how what life throws at you. And this is this was what I had to do for me. And for those around me. So I just continued on. And after two years, uh, no, never looked back again.
0: That's awesome. And uh, thank you for your transparency. That's pretty cool. Um, and we're seeing a little bit now. Uh, we're seeing the, the job uh, market change a little bit where companies, big, bigger companies are not really looking at that degree as as a staple to get into some of these uh, these positions uh, I think obviously you're not, you and I are going to be advocates for for trades, uh, for mm-hmm. folks getting into trades. But there's still going to be a need to get some people uh, like electrical engineers, uh, project management. You're going to have some some type of certificate or degree, which is, which is great. So um, mm-hmm. that's, that's cool, man. Right. And obviously uh, for you to have that knack to want to get into electric engineering, you, you kind of have a little little bit of a, a nerdy side of you that you can just kind of get in those weeds and and and, and mm-hmm. get after it. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Electrical electrical theory, huh?
1: Yeah, yeah, but you know what's amazing, Paul, is you call it electrical theory, and that's what you know. That's what it was called at the, at my time too. But after after being with beer beer meters for ten years, uh, I found that it's not a theory at all. It's electrical reality. And when you start when you start coming into that electrical reality, that zone, and that mindset, man, that's that's when it friggin' gets just amazing your whole life it just gets so amazing because because you start understanding things um and not guessing anymore where theory is like eh, you know maybe this is way it works and or maybe it's not but man when you get in the electrical reality that's mind-blowing
0: yeah that's cool it's great perspective uh we'll we'll shift into your, your career real quick uh, in, in a little bit, I want to ask you from your questions about that, that that growth into uh into who you are today. Uh but did you have any role models growing up as a as a kid or, or as a young adult?
1: Man. You know, my my mom uh I come from a divorced family and she actually married Walter Beer when I was about five years old, six years old. So I, I call him my dad. And um so he married my mom, but at that time Uh, you know, my birth father, my stepdad, Walter, he's really busy working hard. It was hard back then for him too. And just working as many hours as he can. You know how that is when you're young and you got a new wife, a new family, and, uh, he's putting in the time. So really my, I guess my, the best role model I have is my grandfather, my grandpa, pap. And, uh, but he passed away right after I got married and, and, uh, but growing up, he's the one that taught me how to appreciate nature. He's taught me how to just just calm down and, and we're, go outside, be outside all day long. And that's what I did, man, was outside all day. The sun was up, I was outside. And uh, another reason why I didn't want to become an electrical engineer, I wanted to be outside. And, you know, breathing fresh air, seeing the the leaves move. And he taught me the the appreciation of hunting and respect for for nature, respect for the animals, the creatures, Um, fishing and hunting and uh, being a good steward of the land. He taught me all these things.
0: Is there anything you directly utilize from his teachings in your professional career today?
1: Well a lot of these attributes and characteristics of being good stewards of the land. um, And it's taken me decades to put the two together, but really being good stewards of nature, being good stewards of the land, these attributes, they apply to humanity. They apply to connecting and our communication with one another, just the same. And, um, so, yeah, all these things that I was growing up, kind of like a foundation. If you want to consider like the OSHA regulations, like a foundation of line work, right? Uh, 1910.269, you want to consider that as a foundation of line work. He taught me a foundation, but I had to go through life to uh, the, the pros and the cons, the the hard lessons learned, To realize that this this thing needs walls and this thing needs a sturdy roof. And this life that we are to live in has to has to go through and endure storms, trials and and, uh, hardships. And it's life is hard, man. But I tell you what, it's amazing when you start realizing that we are not to be insulated. We are not to be isolated from one another. That we're to feed off of each other and we're to feed each other. You know, we talk about feeding the hungry in the physical way. We talk about clothing those who don't have clothes. Um, but it goes it goes exactly the same way because believe it or not, many of us we have three meals a day, or I try to eat one meal a day, intermediate fasting. There you go. And uh People are out there. They might be eating all this food or whatever they're doing, but they're starving to death. And we need to realize that. And they might have all the clothes. They might be like my brothers in Canada right now <laughs> doing some training for the Canadians. And it's, it's freaking cold up there, man, Calgary. <laughs> and uh, so he flew out there. And uh, so I asked his son, Ryan, my nephew, asked him, so is your dad going to be a dad sickle? Or is he going to be a popsicle? So anyways, <laughs> some of you guys will get that later. But anyways, yeah, it's it's bad. But uh, we're to be connected. We're to clothe each other with, with love and empathy and help and assistance. And we're to feed each other with the same. And when you recognize these things, and then you can, you can start becoming the best that you can be as a person because you're helping others come to that point where they become the best that they can be.
0: Well said, man. Look at you go, man. you just ready. I you love started. it. Hey man, we're good. All right, man. Uh, all right, let's roll into your career. Uh, let's roll a bit, roll into uh beer meters. Is that cool? Yeah. Yeah. Right, uh, give me a little, give a little, bit How about a little bit of history, a little history of meters? Do you know, can you give us a little bit yeah. about that?
1: So Walter Beer, he's, uh, when I was still in high school, we were out of the Benson, Arizona area, uh, where, uh, Sulphur Springs Valley electric cooperative is. I just did training with them for the first time this last, a year ago, January, that was a lot of fun. My hometown. Um, but anyways, he started there and, uh, he, he was, uh, working into substations and, uh, also ended up delivering power to uh, other folks through APCO, a company called APCO there, generation plant there near Wilcox and uh, supplying the electric cooperatives and uh, the, the folks around there, Tucson Electric Power. And and then he, he uh, I went to college and then they, they moved while I was at, in Flagstaff, they moved and he started working with the cooperatives in North Carolina. And then ended up being the vice president of loss control with the um, electric cooperatives, South Carolina. And interestingly enough, uh, vice president of uh, loss and uh, control and loss and all that. So he started getting into safety. That's interesting. You know how things work. He started getting into safety. Well, about 37 years ago, he decided to come up with a grounds tester. Just I'll build a grounds tester. They had some grounds testers back then, but they were bulky and not very accurate. And so he challenged himself to build a grounds tester. And to this day, it's amazing story, but to this day, our uh, grounds tester, which puts true uh, ASTM continuous current. It uses true ASTM continuous current on the grounds to this day. And, um, is the best in the industry and since 37 years ago almost probably actually 38 years ago now he has 17 patents so he's got he has more patents beer meters um, has more patents than all of our competitors combined it's an amazing story so he started when he started with the ground sensor then he started coming up with voltage indicators Mostly horn and light, some analog, and then he started getting into the digital side, and uh, it's, just, it's just blown up. We have, I mean, now, after 38 years or so, now we have, uh, not only does he have 17 patents, but we have cable ID tools. We have uh, the best service testers out there in the industry that our service tester sources 800 amps. Nobody, I think the closest one comes of that, which is about 80 amps. Um, uh, Just just testers, grounds testers, uh, phasing meters, corded, wireless. Uh, We can determine phases from anywhere on your grid uh, just with a quick phone call uh, in real time, wirelessly. Uh, So all all of our tools, if you look at the construction of our tools, even just the construction alone, which takes just a little bit of time when I go over that a lot in our our training videos. But if you take and just dissect the tools, they are by far the safest tools in the industry. Uh, And that's not bragging. That's just the truth. Um, As far as what we put in, like our corded tools. Our corded tools are the only tools in industry that has a cord inside a cord, so they're shielded. Nobody else can say that. Nobody. Our probes on all of our voltage indicators and phasing uh, meters They have encapsulated epoxy that we bake, which holds tight the resistors of protection that are within those probes so they don't bounce around down the road or 10 years from now come loose and those resistors are not actually being used because maybe the wires came loose inside. And then we keep the internal tracking possibilities from environmental conditions such as moisture from getting in the probe by feeling the probe. So there's just a lot of things that we do that nobody else touches because we're a family company. My brother, his wife, my sister, she just retired a year ago. Uh, My nephew, we have some aunts and uncles. Um, So we're a family company. We don't have stockholders that we have to put a little money in their pockets. So what we do is we take a little extra money and put in our tools, in our research, our development. And then we got into safety. I came in. 10 years ago, and I was actually started building the ground Groundcester, little HR, human relations. And I told my folks, I said, I said, you know, you guys are taking good care of me. You're taking good care of me uh, as a manager in the company, but I can do more and give me give me some time. So I did some big shows, IEEE, the IQ show in Louisville and and started Meeting some folks and getting to understand how people think here in this, in this electrical utility industry, the mindset, because it's a lot different than what I was used to as a remodeling contractor and landscaper sure. in Arizona, having a company and running it. It was a lot different. So I needed to learn. I needed to immerse myself. So I told the folks, uh, About eight years ago now, I told him, I said, look, I'm going to take that truck and trailer that you have. My brother built a beautiful 40 foot show trailer and uh, I'm going to go travel around the country and I'm going to start doing showing our product. Well, after about six months of that, so about seven and a half years ago, I started hearing about all these injuries. I started hearing about deaths, linemen. Dying. And I started doing some research into fallen linemen organizations. I started doing some research and and just feeling a lot of hurt. I started feeling a lot of pain. And I started I started feeling like these are my brothers. They're using our tools. And we got to do something about this. So I went to my folks seven and a half years ago actually almost to the day and I said look give me six months so the rest of the year give me six months and I'm going to start doing what we're going to call lineman safety and tool training and for six months I'm going to go out there and just do this and we're going to not we're not charging nothing for it we're going to show the tools if they're using a particular phasing tool corded tool wireless voltage indicator grounds test whatever they're using service tester whatever they're using I'll emphasize those. I'm going to start talking about proper tool practices, work practices, and we're going to just start right there. If the industry supports it, they're not paying for it, but if they support it, that they want this thing and continue it, then that's what I'm going to do. Sure enough, seven years ago, the industry is like, they couldn't get enough. So I started working pretty much half the work weeks away from home being away from my wife, being away from the shop here in, in South Carolina and going out and doing lineman safety and tool training. And man, what a friggin' ride. What uh, a ride.
0: I bet. Um, kind of want to take a step back. How important is it for beer meters to be uh, made in the USA?
1: So all this is it. it we wouldn't want it any other way. I remember co- being here, they won and folks would come to us and try to buy us out. And, you know, they buy you out and you assimilate into their program. You assimilate into what they have going and basically you're no longer a family company, you're no longer USA built, you're no longer supporting your people, your team that are local. Uh, vendors that are local, uh, our molding companies, machinists. I mean, all these folks, we are all local. And uh, we wouldn't want it any other way. We manufacture, I mean, anybody's welcome to come here, do a tour. We manufacture everything we do from scratch. And uh, uh, we assemble, we test. Uh, We have a live line training yard that Anybody could come here and reserve and use for free. Um, we have that here. It's, it's amazing overhead, some underground. But we build these things from scratch. 20-year-old tool comes to us, fell out of a bucket truck. We can repair it. We ship it back to them, and they keep using it. And being made in the USA, I couldn't imagine, you know, my dad, uh, my brother, we couldn't imagine any different.
0: Yeah, that's great. And there's there's a lot of uh, a lot to be said about it. And I, I know a lot of the banners on the website on you guys uh uh logo made in the USA and that that's pretty cool. Stand behind it too. Um I'm going to say a majority of the construction crews, maintenance crews are pretty familiar with the phasing set and voltage indicators. Um uh, you know, some of the the other uh testing kits are done uh subbed out as far as the company's concerned. I I've only worked for construction companies, so that's kind of what I'm referring to. Um and it's probably going to be different everywhere you go so uh but I'm pretty familiar with the the phasing sets and the voltage indicators um but I just kind of want to know how if there's a like quick way to say how how this kind of stuff works like it's you just get this 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 meter head and it, like what's what's going on in there is, is there a quick uh quick story about that
1: yeah so um basically basically you can go to uh beermeters.com And you can go to our website, and we have training videos on every particular product. Um, We also have a very extensive Beer Meters YouTube channel. And that channel, you can go to tool training and pick a particular tool. And you'll see that tool in the subject bar. Click onto it, and then you'll they'll be able to go through all that tool training on how the tools function, the why behind the tool, how to properly use the tools, um, along with many many safety training videos as well. So, and we also we do a lot of um, webinars. Face we will Facetime. We'll do webinars from uh, our LiveLine Training Center. Um, we'll fly out, like my brother, like I said, is in Canada. We'll fly out to our customers and do field training. And we do that all the time. And there never is a cost. Regardless of size of company, we don't. We, we never, ever um, discriminate as far as if this company has three linemen or if they have 300 linemen. We never do that. If they need help and they need us, we'll be out there. And uh, in fact... We have started this a couple of years ago, and this is a brochure. And this brochure is Beer Meters, and it's USA, Beer USA. It's Utility Support and Assistance. And uh, there's a six-page leaflet, but it just describes all the services we do. This has nothing to do with selling any products or services. Everything we do as far as our services, Um, all of our travel, we eat that cost and, uh, we just share and give back to, to the industry. And so part of that is also our safety conferences, safety speaking, uh, tool and work methods, committees, uh, meetings, um, whatever, when we're invited to whatever topic we'll show up and we'll just give a speech and help the folks out and, uh, there's never a charge to anything we do.
0: Cool. Um, I want, let me stick back to the actual product itself, the meters. If you if you want, mm-hmm. is that cool? Can I talk about the meters a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. And I know um, I, I did a lot of research on 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 the YouTube videos and stuff, so I, I just wanted to cover a few uh, uh, hot hot buttons for the the meter itself, the physical features of it. Um, this is going to kind of gear towards the voltage meter itself. Uh, we, we got a limit mark on, on the voltmeter on the on the probe. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, so that's interesting. So ASTM 1796, um, back in, I believe it's 2009, They so the ASTM and IEEE, these are mentioned in the OSHA regulations, but they're uh, guidelines. So they're not necessarily regulations, but they're guidelines. And they recommended that, that we place a line limit right here. And so what that line limit is, it's about an inch and a half, about two inches from the cone tip, about an inch and a half from the actual probe itself. And that line limit is to remind folks when they're using the tools that right below that line limit is where the resistors are or, in other words, your protection. And so when you're using the tool, you never want to use your phasing set. Whether it's wireless or corded, uh, voltage voltage indication, a voltage indicator, your meters, analog, digital, or horn and light. Either way, you never want to use your tool in such a way that that line limit is bypassed with another hot phase or a ground plane. And this happens from time to time. It's amazing the calls that we'll get in. Where the linemen, the line workers, they received a phasing set or voltage indicator, regardless of whose it is. It doesn't, it could be anybody's. And what happened was, is they were handed the tools and then given the task to accomplish during that day. But they were never instructed on how these tools function. Never. And they don't, they don't know the functionality, the why behind the tool. And what we like to do is we like to explain the why, because to have the knowledge gives you the understanding. And to have the understanding, that's where you get equal safety. So that's well, very important.
0: Um, and then in your hand, you got you got the meter head. And then when you're toggling from uh, URD to overhead distribution transmission, what are you doing in, inside there? Is Are you changing just the relationship to the gra- the gra- grounding plane or what's, what's going on that's there?
1: that's exactly right that's exactly right paul so a lot of our meters this one is not set up for it because it does uh this one does do uh the avd 1000 does do up to 999 kv but a lot of our meters whether they're analog horn and light digital a lot of those on the face plate they do discriminate whether it's URD, Underground Residential Distribution, OH, Overhead, or Overhead Transmission, OHT. And what you're doing is you're telling the tool that you're further from the ground plane if you're working transmission. So if you're working transmission and you're further from the ground plane, the tool is more accurate for you in that scenario. If you're working underground, yeah, you're going to take that that switch plate. You're going to go to the underground position because you're telling the tool you want it to be accurate in this close, close proximity to the ground plane in that scenario. We're the only manufacturer that does that. Nobody else does that. So that is unique as
0: well. That's pretty neat. And uh, in some of the YouTube videos that you show that, it kind of just really brings it to perspective. So that's mm-hmm. pretty neat. Uh, let's talk about short sticking and tool gloving. Uh, what's going to be some of the hazards when you put yourself part of the equation? Yeah. Uh, man, you just yeah. lit up. Uh, you, I'm, I'm, I'm in all your buns man. you're, you're doing good. Yeah, no, I just,
1: uh, it's interesting. I didn't know what questions you're going to ask impromptu. I like that the best. That's my favorite. But, uh, yeah. So what it is, is, and this is where we start talking about the electrical reality. Okay. This is so important because as, as A line worker, our bodies, we must understand that our bodies are from dirt and water. And as the earth is literally energized, the earth is just amazing. And uh, it's literally energized. We're from dirt and water. And our bodies are energized, but we're from the ground plane. And electricity, what does it want to do? It wants to go back home, (laughs) right? It wants to go back home to where it came from. Well, it just so happens it wants to go to us too. So, when we're using our tools, our voltage indicators, what we're phasing, whatever we're doing with these products, it is so important that we keep a, what we call the uh, electric, The uh, I'm sorry, air dielectric. And we call this air dielectric, when I do the safety training, one of your best friends. Temporary protective grounds, that's another best friend. But that air dielectric is one of your best friends, and it's it's better than PPE because what you're doing is you're getting yourself away. It's kind of like minimum approach distances. We we don't want you to be 24 inches or closer to that tool that you're using with gloved hands or on a hot stick without gloves. We don't want you guys to be within 24 inches. In fact, we train and recommend 36 inches away from that meter head. And the reason why is because when that meter head touches that potential and that conductor is energized, the meter head, in order to give you a voltage indication, must be energized, right? Not not with the primary power, obviously, because there's resistors in the probe but a chunk, a percentage of that primary power, that tool is energized. And that tool is looking at the current in relation to the ground plane. But if we bring ourselves in a uh, unsafe scenario and we are working short-sticking our tool, so we're choking up on our stick, or maybe we're using the tool, maybe the tool has a... Sorry about that. Maybe the tool has a hot stick adapter and we have the tool in our gloved hand and we call this tool gloving. Yeah. So in a lot of folks, this is what they do. They were never trained that short sticking. They were never trained that tool gloving is an unsafe work practice. They were never told that the tools are energized. They were never told the reasons why they had to keep the air dielectric. 36 inches back on their hot stick from their phasing sticks, from their voltage indicator. They weren't instructed to why. And I had one guy, uh, (laughs) that's interesting enough. uh, One guy gave me, uh, after the training, he came up to me and he said, man, he said, I really appreciate the training. But I have to tell you something. I was always Tool gloving these tools on capacitive test points, and he said, "This guy told me he said for whatever reason, I, w- I grabbed a hold of that hot stick adapter in my bare hand and went to that capacitive test point. What do you think he told me happened? He got popped. Yeah. He got popped. No one ever told him that 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 meter was was energized when you touch." A conductor that's hot no one ever trained on that ever
0: it takes a primary voltage to get that reading and you that's through the meter itself i think once you say it like that it makes a little more sense and kind of gives the uh, perspective of there was a voltage through the meter that is uh, a primary voltage
1: yeah so the meter, remember that primary goes through those touches and hits those resistors well the resistors resist it down squeeze it right yeah. So there's less trickle, a little less current, a little less that it's looking at. But when it looks at that current in relation to the ground plane, the meter, the math, the mathematics, the software, the engineering inside that meter gives that line worker a accurate voltage reading. So absolutely. But and they don't understand how it works, the why's behind it. Um, and I like to That's use how we got this the podcast, Brent. Yeah, yeah. No, this is this is so important. Yeah. Um, I share it. I share it with every everyone everywhere I go. There's one equation. Say I learned a lot of math in engineering school. Right? That's right. And I really don't use that math I learned in engineering school at all anymore at all. I just don't need it. But there's one math equation that the electrical worker out there, they have to know they have to know this equation. And that's X plus Y equals Z, okay? So the equation X plus Y equals Z is so simple. And, and again, this is non-biased training. This is the same with our tools as it is with everybody else's tools. And that X is the conductor. That conductor is energized or de-energized. That's irregardless. That's the X. The Y is the tool functionality. And this is so important. How do the tools function? And the why, the why behind the tool is this. The tool couples with that capacitance and that current flows through that tool. And the tool is looking at that current in relation to the ground plane over here. Okay. Remember, we want to keep our air dielectric because we don't want the tool to think this is the ground plane. We don't Mm -hmm. want the tool to recognize this Mm -hmm. as the ground plane. And the tool gives you what? Z equals Z, right? Tool functionality equals Z. So typically we used to think the Z was the indication, a voltage reading, right? Or in phase, out of phase. That's what we used to think the Z was. And that's partially correct, but it's also not safe. So the Z equals safety and accurate information gathering, huh? Not just information gathering. This is important: accurate information gathering, and what happens when you understand the why and how the tools work? Then you could understand how to get and how to attain that knowledge and understanding on how to get the safety and accurate information gathering by. Understanding where your body is located, not just in relation to your tool you're using, because now you're back on your stick, you're not short sticking, you're not tool gloving. And also, where is your body in relation to the equipment around you when you're using these tools, when you're working the, that equipment?
0: When you're we'll talking about that. That-, hold that hold that story, Brent, we'll talk about that. I, I got that I got that question for you. Yeah, That's a good one. That's a good one that, that in the video you uh, you brought up and um, it was pretty unique. And uh, I got a good question for that. So I'm, I'm going to cut, cut you off real quick. We'll get to it. Yeah, uh, I want to talk about a work, proce- work procedure, work method kind of scenario. Um, and I'll use your verbiage. I understand that it's going to be different um, for anyone uh, working anywhere. So uh, we're talking about what I'm talking about is um, uh, to test the ground. So you got test, open test, test the tester wow. and ground. Um, and in the video... Um, I like the emphasis that you and Ryan put on the first test. And that's mm-hmm. a yes, that you're testing the equipment and getting the hot read. But you're also verifying that your head is in the game. And that's yes. part of the mutual accountability to you and your pole partner, your crew. And, and I I really, I never really thought about it in, in, that, in that sense of it's, it's, it's a real good indicator. It's like, okay, maybe what we're doing wasn't really a, a work procedure or work method in a, in a, in a safety sense or in, in just a, a flow job flow. But like right now, once we put this hot test, get this hot read, we're starting a SOP, we're starting a work method and, and we're both taking that mutual accountability. I get that right.
1: That's right. So, (laughs) so that step, so that's step one, you know, we, we go to a job and let's say we have a clearance or, or we're going to, lockout, tag out. Um, We're going to go ahead and make some equipment maintenance. We're going to maybe some changes. Uh, We're going to, we're going to have an outage. All right. We're going to create an outage here while we do our work. Let's just say that this scenario, whether it's underground overhead, none of that matters. It's just a mindset. And, and so the first, and the first thing we're going to do is always, we're going to test our tester. And the reason why we test our tester, first, is the battery test. When we're out in the field and we perform a battery test, whether it's a push button, whether it's a switch plate, the battery test only tests that nine volt battery. That's it. It does not test your tool on a live known voltage source at all. Never has, never will. Because there is no transformer inside anybody's tools stepping up that nine volt battery to high voltage, it does not exist. So, what we're going to do is we're going to go to this job site. Let's call it uh, Paul's address in California. That's what the address is called, Paul's address in California. We're going to go to this job site, and what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and we're going to make contact. So we're going to we're not going to do open test ground. We're not going to do the three steps. We're not going to do that no more. And what's cool is a lot of utilities, contractors, what's really neat, and this makes me feel good, is they're actually changing their work methods, their procedures, after they hear this one thing. And that is awesome. And I'm excited about it. Um, We're going to do, instead of open test ground, we're going to test. We're going to open. We're going to test. We're gonna test the tester and then ground. Five steps. But the first step to me is numero uno. And that's the one that we usually don't and have not ever done. And that's to test the tester on that live known voltage source prior to creating that clearance, that open air gap. So we're gonna use our contact, tester. Please. We're gonna make contact and we're gonna use direct contact tools. A lot of folks, Man, this is a huge part of the training. This is a whole nother podcast. A lot of the folks use non-contact tools. And they are fairly dangerous. And we do not, we can, but we do not build those tools. Okay. We want our linemen to know that they know. All right. When they make contact with a conductor, they need to know and deserve to know, is that conductor hot or not? So, we're always gonna do a live test. We touch, the tool works, and we see the result on the reading, whether it's, again, horn and light. whoops, sorry about that. Horn and light, uh, analog, digital. We see the information. Well, if we're on 7200 and we're getting about 7400 volts, we also determine one, one, right? It's energized, the tool's working, and the tool's calibrated. We're pretty darn close to what the tools should be reading on that 7200. So we determine a lot of things by going hot. That's the test. We always do the test hot. But the biggest thing, and this won't be written in, in any regs, okay? The biggest thing and the most important reason why I like to train test first, hot, you test, to test her is because I want to know, Paul, if you're working with me this day, I want to know that your head's in the game at this point. I want to know. And you want to know and you deserve to know that is my head in the game. We're going live. We are working, we are hot, and we're going live. And I better have your back. And you're going to ask me, do you have my do you have my back today, Brent? And I, I'm going to say yes. And, Paul, I don't even have to like you. Uh, and you probably don't like me. All right. But that is has nothing to do with line work. It does in most people's minds. But we've got to get away from that that mindset because this safety culture does not rely on if you like me or not. we got to stop that. But you deserve to go home to your family and your children and your pup just as much as I do. OK, even if I don't like you. So we're going to talk about things. That's one of the tell tail- things we do at the tailboard. All right. Did we talk about is your head in the game at the tailboard? You know, we don't just talk about trips, slips, hazards and risks. What about the well-being of one another? Are we watching out for one another? And that first step, that live test, that test, number one step test, we got to do that first.
0: Oh, that was good. And uh, that was a good analogy and some good situations and scenarios. And I like how you mentioned, uh, too, verifying that voltage. And it, it should be pretty close to what, what was tailboarded. You know, if um, if you're on uh, the, the Brent Jeffries 12 kV and you, you go up there and you got a 33 kV voltage, uh, you got some problems going on. So time to, to time to regroup mm-hmm. and make sure uh, everything's on everyone's on the right page. And you're, you're verifying right. that with 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 your voltage uh, indicator. So, great stuff. That's right. Um, what are some of those effects of passing along those bad habits when using voltage detectors? So you're passing mm-hmm. along uh, to a, to a young apprentice.
1: Man, so I had a situation. This is this is a good question too, by the way, Paul. And I had a a, a lead lineman call me. This was several years ago, kind of when all this was getting started. Uh, lineman safety and tool training. And they called me up and he called and he says, man, your tools suck. Your tools no good. Tools broken. We've been using them for about five or six years. We just had them recalibrated. And I'm on my 7200, the lead lineman now. Okay. So he's the shepherd of the sheep. And he's saying, I'm getting about 13,000 bolts on 7200 with your tool. And it's horrible. And I told him, I said, look, I said, you don't want to argue with these guys, OK, because they're always right, Paul. All right. They're always right. So I said, look, just keep your tool. I'll fly out. And it's a long ways away from here. And it's very cold, too. But it's OK. I flew out anyways. And we spent about an hour and a half in class training and we went outside to his scenario. And sure enough, he got in the bucket truck and he went to that corner pole, three phase phase went to that corner pole, the same, same location. The bucket truck was in the exact same location. I flew out there pretty quick, was in the exact same location where he was seeing 13,000 volts on his 7,200. He got up there in that bucket truck and he got on his hot stick and, and he made contact with that analog tool and he was reading about 7,400 volts on his analog tool. He got down out of the bucket Lead lineman got down on the bucket. And this is good. And he 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 was a little bit broken and he was humble. And that's good too. And yeah. whether you're a lead lead man, whether you're a foreman, whether you're a groundman, whether you're the CEO, we need to be humble and on equal ground. And he said, he said, Brent, hey, when you did the class, I learned everything that I was doing improperly when I called you that day. And what happened was, he was doing a few things improperly. One is that he was short-sticking. He didn't keep his air dielectric. He was short-sticking. So that potential was seeing him, his body, as that ground plane. All right? Another thing he was doing, lead lineman, is he had his bat. He was at a corner pole. And that corner pole was behind him. And what happened was, is that capacitance was f- connecting coupling with his body flowing th- across his arms across his gloves through the tool this direction which it which it can do all right and it was he was reading that that potential on the conductor from this direction so he literally became now think about this cuz he didn't understand his electrical reality the lead lineman, he literally became a living, breathing phasing meter, wireless. He did, his body. And he didn't even have a clue. And he had that back, and I always call this, you don't ever want to put your back to the enemy. When you're working hot, you always got to respect that animal. That animal will kill you. You're in Africa, and you walk away from that safari group, you walk out of your tent in Africa to drain out, You walk away from that Jeep that's all caged up and you walk out to those those animals out there, you're going to die. That's it. They will eat you. And so we've got to make sure that we don't have our back to the enemy. You want to face your enemy. And he did. He got in that bucket truck and that, that corner pole and those three phases that used to be behind him, they're in front of him. But what he did is he established that air dielectric. And sometimes mad, it, to me, it's enough to where you don't get killed, but you're still coupling with that enemy. And so we have to separate even further. I call it getting madder. all right? Maybe maybe it's foggy outside. Maybe it's very humid like here in South Carolina sometimes and you got swamp ridges, okay? And you're walking around and you're sloshing when you walk. All right? we got to get madder and we've got to put these things in our tailboard. Hey, guys, we've got this corner pole. We got to make sure that that enemy, we're looking at it straight on. We're going to keep that air dielectric, our best friend, and take care of her. And we're going to get back on that stick. We're going to take care of her. And and he did that and his readings were accurate. Remember we said X plus Y equals safety and Accurate information, not just information. Anybody could do that. Apprentice could climb up there. They get information. Oh, yeah, boss, we're we're in phase. But did he do it safely? I don't know. We lost a lot of apprentices last year, starting in December. First six months of last year, starting in December of 2022, we lost a lot of apprentices while the foreman, think about this, was on the ground. Why? They were all preventable. So now you know the answer why.
0: This is kind of that that's such situation in that scenario too. Um that's kind of where we referred to that's where I stopped you on that that ground uh excuse me uh body position. And yeah, that, that reference of having your back towards the potential and then you face it and it's gonna reflect on on the meter um or or the the voltage uh indicator. Um mm-hmm. that's correct. That, that that was kind of neat. And like I said, that should be part of the tailboard is is um you know that's a, that's a key st- key step because you could get a, a false reading or improper reading, and it can it can cause a lot of confusion. Yeah. But I think identifying that um, as a hazard or as an area of concern is is a, it's something pretty unique. So. Yeah, yeah, and you know,
1: going along with going along with that, Paul, I'll just add this real quick. If your meter gives you a, an indication that seems strange, that's where we need to learn to pause. And we need to stop work, and we need to discuss the why. Remember, X plus Y equals safety and accurate information gathering. If we're getting inaccurate information, maybe we're doing something that's very unsafe. And usually, that is the case. So we need to use our voltage indicators, not just to verify if we're in phase, out of phase, not just to verify what the, that potential is on that particular conductor, but also learn to use these tools to verify that you're working safe as well.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, next kind of scenario I have for you is kind of referring to the uh, ECOS Lineman Safety National Webinar video 001. Um, you had a, a great mm-hmm. example with, uh, with your nephew, Ryan, um, Ryan brought out the PD-50 phasing set um, and showed voltage across your body as you were in direct contact with a, a URD component. Um, you, had, you had a voltage indicator hooked up, and you were kind of showcasing what that potential looks like. Uh, That's right. You, you set up in a scenario where you were t- tool gloving, so you're holding the meter head, and Ryan put the phasing set on your back, and you had 230 volts on your back. You had gloves on. You're holding at, at the meter head. That's right. Um, you went ahead and you took it a step further and you put on dielectric overshoes in the same scenario, tool gloved, and the voltage stayed the same across your That's body. That's right. Um, and and to, to, the, to the listeners, this was the perfect scenario. The components were clean. Uh, the pad was, was beautiful, nicely made up. You're in a clean uniform. The boots were nice. You're on crushed gravel. It's a perfect scenario. You, you, you would love it as a lineman to show up to that job. And you were still had that potential across your body. It was kind of, kind of shocking. Pretty cool. Interesting.
1: Yeah. For me, it was literally shocking. So, uh, as you saw the results, right? Yeah. So we, we do this. There, there was an incident that took place, uh, many years ago. It's kind of, this one incident really started, uh, pulling up my heartstrings. This is probably the first thing, the first incident that that really was pulling on my heartstrings with, there was two linemen working on a uh, cabinet and the cabinet was loose from its foundation. And this is where I always tell everybody that they need to have a good foundation in their life, right? But the cabinet was loose from its foundation and one of the linemen, they were gloved up, PPE, working safe. One of them went into that cabinet and pulling the elbow, working the elbows, had to air dielectric on his stick. He was good to go. Um, The other lineman with his glove, gloved hand, he went to that cabinet to help steady that cabinet with his gloves on. And when he did, he actually got arc flashed. He he got arc flashed. Um, This day was, was not a cool dry day. It was a hot uh, muggy day. So, there is a little difference in our environment that should be listed on our tailboard, our job briefing. Um, But when he put his gloved hand on that, on that uh, box, not knowing what was on that box, he didn't get a voltage indicator and touch the box, which you actually could, but he didn't. And when he put his gloved hand on that box, He he became art flashed, and he had to spend some time in the hospital. He's fine today. But he didn't understand at that moment his electrical reality. And uh, folks that have the PPE on, we need to understand that the PPE is last resort. It's not our first line of defense. The first line of defense in this situation was his air dielectric. And when he put his hand on that cabinet, he kicked the air dielectric out of the out of the equation. And this is where we use the reading on the body when you're working unsafe practices, where you see that electrical charge flowing on your back, actually flowing on the sh- on the overshoes too. We read the overshoes, yeah, absolutely. Um, and we also we also take a reading of the of the of the voltage, that potential flowing across the gloves, which it does flows across the gloves.
0: Yeah. 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 I know a lot of linemen kind of line workers, they kind of roll into that, that visual learning aid. So I'm gonna go ahead and and shout out that, that, that video. It's a good reference. And once you see it visually, it it makes a little more sense. I know it's sometimes it's a little hard to kind of explain it, but check out that video and it's, it's a great, it's a 48 minute video. Uh, Brent's in it, Ryan's in it, and it's a great explanation of, of, of really understanding that equipment and having um, a better understanding of what that potential looks like. So um, We're going to kind of shift out of products, uh, but you can go to beermeters.com. You can have a full list of the products, and uh, like Brent said earlier, there's a full list of manuals and, and how-tos, and then uh, please check out the videos. They're super cool. Um, I kind of want to talk about a little bit about um, not products itself, but I want to get your, your, your expertise. I I think it's always neat when I have a guest on, when we have a guest on who, who deals with people across the nation and you're, you're in, and you guys, I know you guys work in Canada as well. So two nations um, and you're getting a bunch of different feedback. You're getting a a lot of different stories and um, you're having to put out a lot of fires. So, um, It's always easy to find out what is, uh, what is wrong. You can ask around. It's not going to take long to find out what's wrong about anything. But right. um, I want to know what what are we getting right about voltage detectors and voltage testing in the industry? What are we getting right?
1: This is interesting. I'm seeing a shift, Paul, and um, I'm I'm seeing a shift, hearing a shift, and feeling the shift. I it's true story, man. Um, I'm seeing folks come into understanding they have a voltage indicator and you know going from fuzzing a line all right using a wrench or keys going from fuzzing a line then all of a sudden we've got this voltage indicator that's put in our hands wow okay that's pretty cool um i'm seeing a shift as far as this the safe work practices best work practices being used across this country and I'm I'm hearing I'm hearing a lot of stories that's one thing good about being involved with safety because I hear a lot of stories pretty much almost daily I'm hearing stories from across the country and it's 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 just an amazing place to just gather this and then turn around and use it to help others that didn't hear these stories but now everybody can hear them and uh, I'm seeing a, a shift to where people are understanding. Not They might not realize that they're understanding their electrical reality, per se, as far as electrical reality, those two words put together. But they are. They, and, and maybe not even realizing they are. But we're becoming much better informed. We are becoming less insulated and, and less isolated from... Service centers, one service center to another. I've Man, I've been to so many cooperatives, IOUs, what have you. And even the service centers in the same company, the same contractor, I'm seeing the communication across the board open up. And the sharing, I'm starting to see more and more sharing taking place and less hiding and less cover up taking place. So there, we are in a shift and it's, it's wonderful to see.
0: Very nice. What can we do better as as an industry from your perspective, from your perspective?
1: Man. So, and this is what I've really been honing in on for probably the last two years personally out there in the field is when I went from teaching and training tool safety, tactical safety, uh, and understanding those things. And now I'm starting to wrap into psychological safety because from where I, my perspective of being directly involved face-to-face with thousands, tens of thousands, alignment of across this country, operations managers, foreman supervisors, you know, the, the ground men, all these guys, apprentices. What we still need to do and work on is connecting and communication. That is the biggest thing that we must work on. And what I, I like to refer us to is not a line family, because families, we can break up, families, we can get arguments, we can fight. We might even have family members in our personally that we don't even talk to anymore. All right. So I don't like to look at us as a line family, but I like to look at us as a line team. And when we go out on that field every single day that we have to, we have to complete this job, this task, not as a line family, but as a line team. And until we do, until we do that, we're still going to see fumbles. We're still going to see takeaways. We're still going to see scoring by the defense. We are. And we'll lose those games. And until we become a line team and keep our focus on the ball, which is safety, because that's what the ball is, it's safety, until we keep our focus on that ball, which is called safety, we might, we might be looking at our leading and lagging uh, indicators mm-hmm. in our safety department, all right? And we just because, now think about this, just because we haven't had an incident for two years, and I know, I've been around, and I know this happens, doesn't mean the next day because somebody becomes complacent, maybe the whole crew's complacent, because think about it. The board is the same board we had yesterday, and it's the same board we do all year long. If that's the case, then the board itself proves complacency. Okay? It does. And just because there's no incident and no record of an incident for the last several years doesn't mean you're about to lose a couple of folks or someone's going to lose an arm or leg tomorrow. Doesn't mean that at all. If we don't keep our focus on the ball, safety, and our focus on each other, and communicate and connect. We must communicate and connect regardless of position, regardless of experience, regardless of how smart we think we are. We are still on the same level field.
0: Man, passionate. I love it. We're just geeking out, man. We're just, we're just going for it. Meters, (laughs) culture, safety. Um, uh, and speaking of which, we're going to – I have one more question in the, in the meter area, and we'll kind of sw- switch to ECOS. That's cool with you. Yeah. Uh, without giving away it's too much uh, – pri- 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 how do you say that? Proprietary? There you go.
1: Yeah, it's not, um, it's not but it's oh, no, not here we go. It's for everybody.
0: No, here, th- this is a question we'll kind of refer to that. Uh, okay. What, is the f- what does the future look like in meters and voltage testing?
1: Yeah, so that's a good question for us. Um, for us – this is us, okay? So uh, for the equipment in, in general, I think b- because there's so many third world countries, and this is, this, is, this is, I mean, we have an issue with communication and connecting, but there are third world countries where, you know, it's like we, we used to be 40, 50 years ago. And you know how many deaths were 40, 50 years ago. So all I all I can imagine is we got a long ways to go in this industry regarding voltage indicators, regarding test equipment. A long ways to go. Flat out. Yeah.
0: Thank you. I right, the switch uh, switch uh, gears a little bit. We're talking about ecos. That's electrical culture of safety. Um, something you're passionate about. Uh, kind of started this coalition. And this this is great. You guys could have easily just uh, kind of cornered um, the meter market, but you understand that there's an extra uh, thread to pull as far as establishing culture, getting the message out there, sharing stories. Um, I, for you guys to see that value and kind of spearhead that, that that's great. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's like podcasting at a different scale, different levels, just storytelling and, and uh, being an advocate to, to safe work practices. Um, yeah. I wanted to ask you, Uh, How powerful is how powerful is culture, positive culture,
1: man? So the culture, again, you know, we have let's go back to 2004 TND, uh, TND, uh, OSHA. They they got a, a partnership, OSHA TND partnership. They did that 2004 first time and they had over 500 incidences of deaths, fatalities And they they looked at, let's focus on contact. That's the biggest, okay, by far. They looked at over uh, these these 500 deaths by contact. And out of all those incidences, pretty much 100% were preventable. Huh? Think about that, 2004. Since 2004, the SIFs, serious injury and fatalities, have remained similar, no change. What do you mean? So the so what we did in 2004 is what we were doing a year ago pretty much today when we saw all those folks being killed. Um, nothing's changed. So our culture hadn't changed. Because if we keep the, doing the same thing, you get the same results. So what we do, what we do is we we take a situation someone gets gets hurt. This is how we think. Someone gets hurt, our best buddy, uh, somebody on that crew over there, the uh, other service center, they're gone. Um, And so what we do is we put all this effort and resources and we have what we call a stand down, which is from a military term, which has a lot of negative negative connotations. Let's stand down. I mean, think about what we're doing ourselves here, Paul. So we'll have a stand down and we'll take a day and we're going to go ahead and we're going to hang flags. We're going to get the bucket trucks and do this procedure, this this, this parade. And we're going to put our buddy in the ground while his kids cry and why, why his, his uh, wife is sobbing. OK, that's our culture. So that's called learn helplessness. And we, we're promoting learned helplessness. It's unbelievable. The thing we're, not, we're, not, we're trying to stay away from, we're actually promoting. Why don't we try to change this culture? Why don't we try to bring... <laughs> I just did training last December. And what's interesting, no names. What's interesting is the CEO, I didn't know he was there. The CEO sat in on the training. He thought as a CEO of that company, it was just as important for him to sit on that training as it was for the rest of his foreman and safety people. And he sat in on that training because he is he recognizes that he is equal with the rest of us. And until we get this culture, the safe electric culture of safety to trickle down from the top down and the the lady who cut your check, who cuts your check, Paul? Do you know her? Oh, yeah. See, yeah, but typically we don't know these people. The lady inside the office, the, the people that signs the checks, the, the the janitor that cleans our restrooms. And are they not part of this whole mindset of safety? We all are. And we have to connect with everybody and we have to get this culture to be one and we have to be in unity across the board with not only me and you, but our whole line crew and our whole company, everybody. And when that happens, when that happens, <laughs> you're not going to see these bucket trucks wasting time standing down, not being productive. All right. But we're going to use, we're going to start giving back some of that time, some of that production, like what beer does. Okay. I go out and travel. No one pays for that. Beer pays for that because we give back. But we all need to start giving back. That's part of E-CAUSE is we all need to form a line team. All these folks that speak at e we don't pay them nothing. Their companies send them out here. I've got people coming in e in the past and all next year, 2024, two a month, all next year is booked up. And some of these folks are coming on their own time and dime, not even sponsored by a company and Until we start all giving back we 're not going to see a change we 're not
0: Hi right, Brent. If we scaled culture one to ten, ten being the best, optimal positive culture what do we what do we do once we get there once we have it once we have that perfect time
1: so and we're going to get there, Paul. We're going to get there. All right. Here's the thing. We are we live in a world that is basically we all die eventually. That's kind of grim. <laughs> eventually, we all die. Okay. But in the meantime, until we get to that position, you know, uh, to where we got to go to the next realm, until we get there, we got to make this the best we can make it. And that's with each other. And that's where we're satisfied. The best time we are happy, the happiest time you can possibly be, is not when you receive a gift. Because that the luster, the chrome uh, starts rusting, the plastic starts cracking, the leather, the leather starts ripping, the stitches come loose. Until we can get to the point where it's every day, all day, and we have to remind ourselves We are going to, we're going to be a 10 and complacency is going to be a word that we are going to forget about. Uh, Complacency is going to be a word that we're not going to need to speak about anymore. All right. I mean, I'm going to read you. Can I talk about this real quick? Absolutely. So I used to hunt a lot in Arizona, as you know. Uh, And one day I was hunting javelina. And I use this on one of my slides and the slides called complacency. And I was bow hunting javelina and uh, in Arizona. And after a while, you get good at knowing their habitat, where they live and, you know, their habits and things. So it's pretty, it starts getting kind of too easy to hunt. I don't hunt them no more. But anyways, this one day I was out there and I was on this big giant boulder scanning the, I was glassing. And all of a sudden, this herd of Havelina walked up to me, to where I was at on this boulder. And they bedded down, they took a little nap, a little siesta right around me. And I was like, and here I am bow hunting Havelina. Okay. And I like to use an allegory that arrow, that arrow is electricity. And that arrow, that arrow wants to score. That arrow is going to look for that biggest javelina. In other words, the most prideful lineman. That arrow is going to look for that, that trophy lineman. And by that is the one that has the most complacency, the one that has the most pride. Maybe the most experienced. And they know it. And they let everybody else on their crew know that they are the best of the best. Hmm? And because they're so good, during their safety meetings, they sit in the back with their head down on their phone. Because they're so good. Think about how dangerous that guy is. Okay. So these these javelinas sit down right next to me. And I got a rock. I, I couldn't even shoot them. It was like way too easy. I got a rock and I threw it in their midst. They went running about 60 feet. And then they stood there after about running 60 feet. And they started snorting, <coughs> talking to each other. And the next thing they knew, they came right back, laid down. Oh, that's interesting. And I predicted this would happen. I got another rock and I predicted. Think about how every incident that has taken place could have been predicted before it happened. Did you know that, Paul? That's a true story. How come the t- tailboards, how come our job briefs don't talk about these things? Predictions. huh? How come we don't listen to that groundman? He might have a good prediction. And I threw that rock and those, those javelina, they ran 30 feet. And they started grunting, and they came right back to the same place and laid down. I got another stone, and I predicted what they would do. I threw it, they jumped up, didn't even hardly run a couple steps, and they laid right back down. That's complacency. I'm going to read what complacency is. Okay, I got this. Complacency is feeling so satisfied with your own abilities or situation that you fail to work as a line team. That's what complacency is. And finally I, got, I just stood up on that rock and I said, "Hey guys, how's it going?" And they just scattered and they were gone, those Avelina. because that net, they, they could never predict that a voice would come out of the blue. the rock being thrown, Eh, they got used to that, but they, no one on that crew, that line crew of Havelina, predicted that that rock was coming from electricity and that voice was holding something called a an bow and arrow. And that biggest hog and I, he was there that I could have taken him so easy. So this is what's happening. Complacency. And, uh, when that word goes away and we're reunited. United as one line team and that's going to be your 10 and we're going to stay there. We're going to like get it. there.
0: I like it. Um, I was listening to a podcast on the way in this morning and uh, he says something kind of made me reflect about the conversation we were going to have today. He said, uh, en- enjoy the present, build the future. And it's, mm-hmm. um, it's pretty unique. I thought it was kind of something to think about when you think about culture and you think about uh positive culture and, 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 Uh, empowering change in, in the right direction. So I thought that was pretty neat. Yeah. Uh, Thanks for sharing that story. That story. Um, if you could talk about ECOS a a little bit, what it is, what's the goal, um, how people can get involved.
1: Yeah. So ECOS came to me just over two years ago, about two years ago. And, uh, I was frustrated hearing about all the deaths traveling all the time away from my wife and, training linemen how to be safe so they don't die and they come home to be with their families. And it's like, okay, so beer, we're spending, we're spending about a million dollars a year with all these resources and I want to see better results with all these resources. So the idea came to me that we got to start lineman safety national webinars. And I thought to myself, that's a really good idea. So I talked to a few folks, mostly in the incident prevention uh, safety conferences that they have throughout the United States with Certified Utility Safety Professionals, CUSP. I talked to these folks and uh, don't want to mention names. I know that's where you're at. So I talked to these folks and I, I went to the best safety directors, the best safety trainers, managers speakers, consultants. I mean, these folks have 40, 50 years plus experience in line work. And I went to them and I said, hey guys, this is my idea. And I thought, you know, who am I? I got 10 years, I got, well, that was eight years experience in line work and being out here in the utility industry and talking to folks, these guys are gonna shut me down. And it's like, okay, I said, look, I said, this is what beer has been doing for eight years. Well, six years back then. This is what we've been doing for six years. And this is the result. It's working. Yeah, people are learning. They're starting to understand their electrical reality, but the SIFs are exactly the same. And the reason why they're exactly the same is because we're not unified as a line team. And I need you guys to fly out to South Carolina, drive out, whatever. And you're going to pick a topic that's on your heart and you're going to share it. And we're going to pay. We'll pay for it. But we'll pay for the recording and we'll have the recording. And then whoever is a member, a partner of electric culture safety, they receive that recording that you do and all other the recordings in, that are now and in the future for no cost. All of them. And you guys are going to do this on your time, your dime. Are you in or not? Every single one of them said Yes. Every, I'm like, whoa. And today, Paul, we have over 10,000 partners that are registered and that receive the monthly announcements, that receive all the live line leaks that they could come in live. They could come here and attend during the uh, presentation. And then a, about a week or so passes. And then we have the edits, we have it all proof, and then we send it out to everybody. And it is just amazing. What these folks are doing, the support, the stories that they bring that. And I never thought that one of the benefits for doing this is that I get to be with every one of them and hear every story over dinner, hear all their life stories and their passion and why they're at where they're at today. I get to hear this and it's freaking nuts and now we're sharing it with everybody and all they can go to electriccultureofsafety.com. it just we just went live it's it's still a little rough but hey it went live they can contact me anytime and i'm really easy to contact and i send out the the recordings and they can contact me at safety at safetytraining@birrmeters.com and they can go to our, web, our website, or I'm sorry, our YouTube channel and pick out the promos. The promos videos of ECOS, Electric Culture Safety, all the promos are public. And they can pick out the topic. They can pick out the speaker and they can say, hey, I want episode 036, which was freaking awesome. That just happened uh, a couple weeks ago. The, the, how they show up? We're approaching safety as the whole person. Oh, my gosh. Dang. All these. Helicopter safety. Oh, my gosh. Grounding. Instructional grounding. I mean, this is awesome. And they get all these for free. Electric culture safety. And we're just going nationwide. And there's a lot of folks in Canada that are on it now. And there's a few other folks in other countries on it now. So it is happening. It is working. We pay for it. The folks that sponsor, if you look at uh, electriccultureofsafety.com, you can see the, the, uh, the logo and all the partners that are sharing their company logos and endorsing it. They don't pay us nothing to do that. And they just endorse it because they want to. There is no cost. And they, they send out folks sometimes and speak and they help pay for their expenses, of course. Um, but everything that we're doing is giving back. Let your culture safety. We're just given back.
0: Who can join? Yeah, who can join? Who can right? join? So
1: anybody can join. There is no, there is no nobody that can't join. Um, safety folks that are in in other uh, uh, industries, you know, if they're in gas, if they're in water, if HCE uh, health safety environmental, they can join. Um, And the reason why is for anybody to join, but it's focused, obviously, and always will be on our line crews. The reason why is because these topics we talk about leadership. Awesome leadership, communication, connecting, psychology. We're talking about we're talking about the the standard topics like grounding, grounding. Tool safety. There's a couple that I do. That we talk about those topics. We talk about um, uh, getting out in the field. Talk, talk about the proper uh, job briefing and what do we need to do to do better job briefings. What, what what do we need to do to connect and communicate with that with that Generation Z? All right. How how does someone that's about to retire? How do they communicate with that Generation Z? <laughs> that that you know barely 20 years old and so th- the topics are amazing uh overhead underground um but a lot about the mind a lot about the heart cuz you know what's amazing paul i think it's working i have noticed and this is strange i have noticed that the last 6 months i'm i'm not kidding we have seen a decline in this industry, we have seen a decline in SIFs. And I truly believe that we are starting. And I'm, see- I'm seeing it. So I used to say, together, we will change our electric safety of culture now. And I'm saying it because I'm, conv- I'm convicted that it's happening. I say, we are changing our electric culture of safety. And anybody and everybody should be involved.
0: Yeah, you can definitely hear. That change, that even just that organic ground root conversation of of change, and just having those different conversations, and 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 like you said, seeing how that well being of that person is, and make sure the head's in the game. Um, add that different yes. layer of it to, to to ensure that we're all we're all in this together. So, um, that's right. All the all the websites, all the information I'll put back in the show notes so anyone can refer to it. So if you didn't write it down, no no big deal. Um. Brent man, I appreciate you geeking out with me over here about some meters some culture. Uh, just yeah. want to give the opportunity. If there's anything else you wanted to discuss or talk about, man.
1: Yeah, just, um, we, like I said, we'll, we'll come to uh tool and, um, uh, work, work, com- uh, work method co- committees, um, statewide, uh, safety conferences. Uh, we do that all the time now. Um, and, uh, if there's any annual safety conferences, we do that. We'd be glad to do that. And we don't charge anything. Um, if there's a safety conference that somebody backed out of for maybe personal reasons, all anybody has to do is contact me and uh, I will I will get them plenty of contacts to uh Fill that that gap. I just did one uh, recently uh, that's actually happening this week. And I, I couldn't be there personally um, and uh, had it that day, had it filled. And so, you know, use us as a source. Use ECOS as a source. Um, there is no cost to electric culture of safety. There is no, there is no cost to ECOS. We're all in this together.
0: Right on. Appreciate you saying that. Uh, where can people find you at, Brent? How do you want people to connect with you?
1: Yeah, so they can, again, safety training at beermeters.com. I'll give you my cell phone because folks, you know, they're so busy, they don't have time to call me anyways. It's 803 528 8869. If there's Dang, any the first, questions,
0: what's. I'll say that's the first yeah, time someone dropped their cell phone, man. I like. That. Yeah,
1: they can call me. I mean, no one calls me because they're so busy. Um, I'll get a text. You know, they can text me. I'll get text messages regarding a, a scenario, maybe an incident that I get these all the time, Paul, where I'll get somebody to send me a picture. And uh, they know because because I run the, this and facilitate the electroculture safety, they know that I can share it with the group. All these folks around the country, and there's no like like you said there's no names being dropped but but let's talk about this scenario here's here's a like I do is incident review i 'll do an e cause incident review just had one recently, and they know that they they'll be protected they know that they're safe, nothing's going to come down there's no retribution, but let's discuss it. Let's talk about it because this incident happened over here, this side of the country, but over here, this side of the country, it can be prevented now. It'll never happen if we discuss it. So I get that all the time, Paul.
0: That's, that's awesome. Thank you, man. Appreciate you coming on. Appreciate you yes, sharing brother. your passion, having this conversation with us. Appreciate uh, everything, what, man. Absolutely. What do you think? How, how do you think it went? I th- Enjoyed it?
1: I don't know. I, I, have to, I don't know. I think it felt good. Go. Felt good. good, Yeah, it felt I'm, great. It felt it felt organic. Uh, there was no pre-packaging. Um, and, you know, like whole foods, like eating whole foods, it's healthy. I believe uh, these things are healthier if we just go off the cuff.
0: I absolutely. like that. Came in kind of yeah. blind and we just had some fun and chopped it up and geeked out. Yeah, I, 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 love, I, love, I love these conversations and, and getting down to the nuts and bolts of this kind of stuff. So yeah. Yeah, and you love- can... If if you ever
1: wanted to, uh, like if you saw a video or a subject and you wanted to talk about a particular subject, you could do some shorts too. And, uh, you know, we could do some 15, 30 minutes, whatever, if you ever, you know, in the future.
0: Yeah. love love to, love to partner up, have a conversation Mm -hmm. again. Keep this thing going, man. Appreciate it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh,
0: Thanks. Thanks once again, Brent. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your, your message and, uh, and, uh, just coming on and sharing that. So,
1: Absolutely, brother. Appreciate being here, man. Appreciate the invite, Paul.
0: Absolutely. Anytime. All right, guys, that's going to do it. We'll wrap this up. Uh, Special thank you to our promotional partners, Milwaukee Tool, Dragonware, Wagner Smith, Buckingham, Manufacturing, Klein Tools. Special thanks to the Sturge Electric California workforce. Without you, this podcast would not be possible. All right, guys, that's going to do it. Appreciate it.